Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. What's up, guys? It's Harrison Phillips here, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellows on the Circle the Wagons podcast on Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills, baby. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a great episode for you guys. We are going to discuss uh, some of the Super Bowl. We're going to discuss, uh, obviously, uh, some Bill's topics related to that. We're going to talk about some uh, some topics to end the uh, the season, because this is technically the first off-season episode with the Super Bowl just being played and finished. Uh, we'll talk about uh, our ending thoughts on the 2021 season um, and some really cool stuff if we get a chance to it. Uh, we also have a, a giveaway to announce um, later on the podcast that we're going to be doing uh, in the next couple of podcasts. So, But first... I'd like to welcome on my guest uh, for this episode. Um, his name is Mark. He won the Buffalo Rumblings Pick'em Contest. Uh, and it wasn't just any Pick'em Contest. This wasn't just like, hey, who's going to win, the Jets or the Packers? Um, this was all against the spread, which makes it so much more difficult. For anyone who's ever gambled or bet, it makes it um, intensely more uh, difficult. And and Mark not only beat the 100, 200, 500, I don't know, 1,000 people. I don't know how many it was. It was a lot of people he beat. Uh, he is the winner. And I said, obviously, besides winning a Thurman Thomas jersey, uh, the real prize is being able to come on the Circling the Wagons podcast. So uh, we're happy to have Mark on. Mark, it is, it's good to, to talk to you. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me on. It's, uh, it's a real honor. It's really it's exciting. You know, I, I get to hear you guys all year long, and uh, now here I am getting a chance to chat with you. So this yeah, is fantastic. You, you get to hear yourself after this too. And, <laughs> and what's funny is uh, is we actually, uh, a few weeks ago, we recorded a podcast together. I already took up a night of yours uh, another week ago. And uh, we had Mike and John on, the four of us. And it was the first time we'd ever had the four of us on, uh, ever, like four people on. And, uh, and uh, the connectivity and things didn't go well. So I apologize for that, but I'm glad that you can do this because there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, even though the Bill season, uh, the NFL season is over, the Super Bowl's done and over with, there's plenty of fun stuff to talk about. Um, first things first, you beat hundreds of people in the Rumblings Pick'em League. Um, you bet against the spread. You bet, like, I mean, you didn't just like barely win. You won by like three or four games. Uh, this wasn't a tie. This was, and you, for the most part, you were in the top five, if not at the top of the, the leaderboard all season. Um, gambling is legalized in New York State. So I have to ask you, as somebody who's started to gamble a little bit more um, without giving away all of your secrets, you look at the games each week, and is it just you think, well, this is how I think the game's going to go? Okay, I think the Chiefs are going to win by five. The spread is the Chiefs winning by 10, so I'm going to bet the under. Is it that simple, or is there more to it? Now, I think for me, it's a little bit more simple. It's, it's gut. It's really what it comes down to. And really what that ends up meaning is it's luck, <laughs> at, least, <laughs> at least for me. 
I, I can't say that I'm much of a gambler, to be honest with you. This was for charity and, you know, I was hoping for a Thurman Thomas jersey and get to uh, sit down and talk with you. Uh, and I'm, I'm very happy that that uh, came through. But the reality is, is uh, I would sit down and look at the spreads and, and really if it was a, a spread that was more than a touchdown or so, those are pretty tough to, to, to match in, in the NFL. In general, it seems like most games end within, within a score, it, it, unless it's clearly you know, a, a team that is far superior with, with an amazing quarterback. You have a Josh Allen going against, oh, I don't know, maybe a rookie quarterback in a Jacksonville. <laughs> so, so as you can see, you know, usually you'll, you you could do okay with Wait, that. Did you get that one? Did you get that one right, Mark? <laughs> I don't. I don't recall. <laughs> I, I, I I doubt I did because I don't. I couldn't imagine that the Bills would drop that game. That, that yeah, was that yeah. was exactly. Uh, but no, I I I think uh, when the spreads are a little wider, it makes you think a little bit more. Uh, but when it came down to it, I went with really the better quarterback, uh, and then the, the the better coach. And then home versus home versus away, really. And, so and if it was if happened. it was close, if it was close, would you ever like? And you're like, okay, I think it might be close. Would you just go? I'm just going to go the home team in this one. It, it depended on the quarterback first. So I'd go with the quarterback over the home team. But yes, if you had a Josh Allen going against uh, one of the backup quarterbacks, clearly I'm going to go with the Josh Allen. If <laughs> you know you're looking at Tom Brady and Josh Allen, oh, that's a little bit more of a toss up. You know it's going to be close. In that circumstance, I may go with the underdog because I think it's going to be close and they probably the, the, the victor may not cover the spread or the, the favorite might not cover the spread. And then when all else failed, and I really, and it really, you know, maybe like one or two per week, I'd ask my son <laughs> and I'd have him flip a coin for me. Sorry, I don't, that may be too soon. Uh, he, would, he would make the choice uh, and, and help me out. And he's, he's a big Bills fan and uh, he's actually quite good at picking some of these games. So. so, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to speak for you or your son, but what I'm thinking you should do is quit your job completely tomorrow. Start gambling solely on games, because if you can beat two or 300 people, I mean, you're just going to crush Vegas, right? <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, if you put a hundred dollars in each game and you're oh, coming out on top, like, you know, 80, 90% of the time, this is just, you're just, I feel like you're just wasting your time at your job. Not going to give away what you do for a living, but I think, you know, think that, <laughs> no, no, that's, that's cool. Is there a way that is there a way that you can set up a site for all of us, for all of us people, or whatever? Or, or maybe are, would you ever give away your your picks on Twitter? Maybe because you oh, are. Absolutely, I think Twitter. that I think that's what's going to have to happen next year. So okay. I, we'll, we'll work on that. We'll, we'll get back. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> you know what's funny is I've talked with Mike and John about this even before uh, we had talked to you, and I'm just like, man, like, is there a way that we could have a segment with Mark on, and he could give his picks for the week? Because that would be, I mean, you're talking about. I'd like, I'd love to make the listeners money, and I'd love to make money myself. And this is just a great way to do it. So no, cool. I'm, I'm super psyched to have you on. Um, not only the fact that you know. Uh, that you won the contest and everything like that money went to charity. That's an awesome thing. Um, but that you're a listener too. I mean, that's, you know, some people are rumblings readers and some people, you know, just follow us on Twitter or whatever. Um, but the fact that you're a listener and we've interacted several times, either through Twitter, either I've read your tweets on the post game show, or, you know, you've messaged me back and forth. Uh, I know you went up to a, a bills game this past year. You were asking me about parking and stuff like that. Like, like it's cool. Like there's actual relationship before tonight. So that's, that's kind of cool to do that. So let's get right into the, the most recent thing at least is, and I'm sure it'll go into the bills right away is the Super Bowl and the Rams pulling that one out. Um, it, at the very end, basically, um, 
you know, when I look at that game, uh, the first thing you think of is, you know, would the Bills have won that game against the Rams? And uh, and I've had friends of mine say, oh, the Bills definitely would have beaten the Rams then, this and that. And I was like, you know what? I don't know about that because uh, defense, I feel like, wins championships. And I think that when you get to the championship games and the Super Bowl, like it was much more evident. And as good as the Bills' defense was during the season, um, I think that the Chiefs obviously picked it apart. And it was something that I think that the Bengals could have uh, taken advantage of. And I think it's something the Rams could have taken advantage of. The only thing that, that my caveat to that would be that I think Sean McVay is a good coach, but I think he overthinks himself way too much. Like running the ball into the ground for one and a half yards per carry or whatever it was, was just plain dumb. I mean, he didn't even get Cooper Cup involved into the game until the, until the end of the game. And then finally they were winning. And it was like, why weren't you doing this? Like, it wasn't like they just decided to stop covering him in the fourth quarter. Like he was around. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. obviously went out with a knee injury. Um, I think the Bills... I'll start with this and saying, um, and I want your thoughts, Mark, as far as, you know, if you think the Bills would have had a chance. I think they would have uh, in some respects because of the way the Sean McVay coaches. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's hard to stop a guy like Aaron Donald. And uh, I, I think I think it would have been an interesting game. I don't know for sure if the Bills win that one, as, as some people are so sure about. But uh, but I think it would have been it would have been an interesting game. Would have been an interesting game to say that. So, so I, I'll, I'll throw it over to you, Mark. Um, with that game, I mean, what were your thoughts on the game? And, and I mean, do you ever look back now? Is it like, oh, that's one the Bills could have had? Look back, <laughs> along <laughs> with everybody in Bills Mafia. I, absolutely, I, I, I truly believe the Bills. Certainly, it would have been a game. It would, it would have been a close game. Uh, I honestly do believe that the Bills may have had the edge offensively against the Rams. Defensively, you're saying Aaron Donald. I mean, he is he's phenomenal. And I don't know what kind of havoc he would have wrecked during the game and how much he would have disrupted and may have affected the game. However, I with the offense that Josh Allen was leading through the playoffs, it's hard to imagine them not being in the game. I, 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 I honestly don't think they would have had much issues with the Bengals. Uh, I do like the Bengals. My mom's from Cincinnati. I love the town of Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a fantastic city for anybody who hasn't gone to visit. Uh, but that being said, I, I really feel that from a perspective, yes, they had phenom- they have phenomenal wide receivers and our cornerback, you know, w- without having trade A in there, surely we would have been exposed a bit. But I just, the, the juggernaut that we had on offense from all throughout the playoffs, there, there's just really no stopping them. So, yes, I think uh, we would have had a chance, certainly in the AFC Championship game and certainly in the Super Bowl. Would we have won the Super Bowl or not? I don't know. But I certainly am leaning towards that they, they would have. Um, I agree with you. Yes, traditionally, defense wins championships. Our defense played relatively well. I, I think take take away the, the 13 seconds and take away the, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a phenomenal offensive team. And you, you just – you can't – just say they were the number one defense throughout the, the season. Yeah, sure. A lot of that is because we played against teams like Jacksonville. Yeah, fine. They didn't score many points. We played against some of these other Pittsburgh. So sure, they got some additional uh, higher rankings because of the, the competition we played. But you can't choose who you're playing, obviously. 
And I think that our defense really was a solid defense. And, and yes, they may not have been as good of a defense. We don't have a, a, a somebody who's going to wreak havoc up the middle like Aaron Donald, but I think we would have very much uh, been in the game. And, and I think we would have come away with the W. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say. I, I mean, you know what, one of the big takeaways that I, I got from the Super Bowl was that, you know, that 13 seconds that you mentioned earlier and how that game ended up going for the Buffalo Bills in the end and how painful that was. Um, everyone wants to blame Sean McDermott. Everyone wants to blame um, the ability to communicate uh, with your teammates, with your with your players, um, the ability to to switch in in game um, changing of strategies and stuff like that, which the Bills are all guilty of. But I think that one of the biggest takeaways I have is that all teams have that. All te- I mean, not only did the Rams have that, the Bengals had that. Um, both teams, from uh, at certain points, you know, suffered from a lack of aggressiveness by the coaching staff. Um, I think that they lacked some. Uh, like Sean Mc- Sean McVay is one of these like offensive minded gurus, right? And then he just wants to run the ball into the line. And you're just wondering, like, you're not having any success that way. Like, what is what is the game plan? And I don't think he's that smart. He's just like, well, we're just not going to do anything for most of the game. And then all of a sudden, we're just going to throw it to Cooper Cup for the touchdown. Like, I don't think that's the way. He, I mean, he could have made this such a bigger game. That I think the Rams were the better team than the Bengals. I think the Bengals got away with that huge long catch to T. Higgins um, that should have been called offensive pass interference, but it was not for whatever reason. Um, and the Rams kept them in that game. They could have walked away with it. But I guess the point is, um, it's not just the Bills. And I know we get stuck with that because the Bills usually end up winning. And when they don't, uh, you could blame coaching for a lot of that, a lot of the reasons, whether it's defensive play calling or offensive play calling or whatnot. Um, all teams have that. And uh given the choice between like a Sean McVay or a Sean McDermott, um, I take the aggressiveness of Sean McDermott any, any day of the week um, th- to watch another coach just kind of sit back and just take it over and over again. I mean, this wasn't like, um, you know, the bills trying to s- scheme the Kansas city chiefs. Like you said, I mean, the Kansas city chiefs are amazing. They're offensive juggernauts. Like they're, they're the best, if not one of the best offenses in the entire league um, year in and year out. So for them to not stop them on defense, sure, like that's that's not great. But a lot of teams don't stop Kansas City on defense. Um, but uh, just I don't know, just the game, the, the ability to change your your team's philosophy and to play scared, like it seemed that both team, like neither team, really wanted to take the win. Uh, away from the other team. It was just like, let me just play. I just, I'm just on this big stage. I just don't want to screw up, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's such a, such a weird, I, I don't know if you got any of that um, from that, but, but there's definitely some, so it makes me glad that Sean McDermott's my coach at the end of the chiefs game. I wasn't so sure about that after the super bowl. I'm more sure of it. I think so. I, I wonder, particularly in super bowl, when Odell got injured, how much that truly changed their offense. I, I didn't see the all 22. I haven't, I haven't watched the Super Bowl again. I, I don't know what kind of double coverages they had against Cook uh, during uh, up until that last final drive. I don't know if there were any changes or whatnot. Uh, but, but clearly, looking back on the season, I, I think Coach McDermott, is, he's, a, uh, he, he's evolved so much since the time when he got here, where, yeah, you could say he was, he, maybe he seemed scared or he coached scared or whatnot. He's really has truly evolved. He's truly that, that growth, uh, 
uh, mindset that that he's you know that he's uh, uh, promoted. He, he truly adopts that, and and, and he's he's truly changed my opinion of him. I I was not so certain uh, initially, and I think it's even going to evolve even more next year with the change from Dayball. I don't know what's going to happen there. I who knows? Are we going to be more aggressive, less aggressive? But the way that we ended the season, the aggressiveness that he allowed the offense to demonstrate really is encouraging no matter you know yes this is extremely disappointing i truly do believe we could have won the super bowl i think we should have been in the super bowl at the bare minimum uh, but i'm but i'm as opposed to last season when we kind of stumbled into the playoffs the the the, the, the offense just wasn't clicking i mean it took a pick six to, to turn the ravens game around but at the end of this playoffs this run our offense is just churning. They're just points after points after points. It is, I mean, it's like you're gorging on a buffet of, of, of football. It's fantastic. And I'm so excited to see that next year. And I hope they start, you know, like that dreadful first game with Pittsburgh. That we don't have a relapse. We just, just get on week one, whether we're playing the Rams, as people are thinking that we might play on Thursday, or whoever we play. We just... Go forward, foot on the gas, offense, play, you know, you get to fourth down, you're going for it on fourth down. Uh, I, I just, I feel like I'm energized by the, even though I'm extremely disappointed, I'm very energized by the way we ended the season. And I feel extreme confidence that we're going to bring that forward next year and we're going to just keep moving. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with 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 a lot of that sentiment. You know, one thing I, I I've been thinking about, especially because I think that we're all very high on the Bills because of how well they performed offensively, and uh, you know, I, I talked about this last week. So we did a gambling podcast for the Super Bowl. Um, by the way, did you bet on the or did you have any thoughts on the on the Super Bowl odds or anything like that? And did you get that right? I I did actually get it right. Yeah, I, <laughs> did you? Yeah. Well, again, I, I my. My heart's with Cincinnati in that one, you know, whether it's the Andy Dalton and, and the family and whatnot. So I was actually, I was rooting for Cincinnati in general. And, and I said, you know what, I'll throw a couple bucks on it. Not much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. So I, I think it was, the spread was uh, uh, plus four for the Rams. So, so I went with the Bengals uh, and it was just a straight bet. That was it. Just, just with the spread. And you know they 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 they, they uh, won. So yeah, so <laughs> okay, you can notch another one up for me. Nice, I, was, nice. I was hopeful. I was hopeful for the Bengals in the last minute. And again, I have you know my my uncles there and uh, the rest of my family. You know, still down in Kentucky and, and Cincinnati. So I felt bad for them in the end. But at the same time, I was like, ah, do I really want Joe Burrow to get a Super Bowl win before Josh Allen? And, and uh, I was kind of conflicted. I got I got to honestly admit. So mm-hmm. it was a little. Bittersweet when they lost, I guess. I don't know. So, but yes, I, I, I made a couple bucks. <laughs> nice, nice. I can't think of any quarterback in the AFC now where I'd actually be okay with them winning a Super Bowl because I don't want Patrick Mahomes to win another one. And I don't want J- the Joe Burrows and the Justin Herberts of the world to win another one, to win one before Josh Allen. So I think that the thing that comes down to is like, I only want Josh Allen to win the next, another Super Bowl <laughs> or the, I'm just going to be rooting for the NFC every year. Right. I mean, there's, <laughs> especially with great, you retired, right? Like <laughs> um, Fitzpatrick comes back and, and signs on with something, <laughs> stumbles into a starting job or maybe yeah. Mitch Trubisky somehow. But yeah, no, yeah, no, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> so, um, 
I want to want to close off the 2021 season um, for for those of us for those that listen to the podcast during the regular season. Um, we usually do um, several different segments. We do our sweet sassy molassy plays of the game. Obviously, plays that stood out to us. Wow, plays from the game that we just watched. Um, we do our wall of famers and wall of shamers. So, like our MVP or LVPs of of the game and uh, Gettysburg of the game, which is basically the turning point of the game, um, good or bad. And, and I was thinking about this season and it would be nice to end the season with kind of our thoughts overall on the Buffalo bills. Um, one thing, um, I'll start off real quick. I'll do a wall of fame and my wall of fame. I mean, it's going to be Josh Allen, no matter what, just because, um, I mean, his, his development from year to year, even from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, um, you know, he just, he just has it all. And he's finally let, risen to that level where he's a superstar in the league and people notice him and people love him and people root for him. Um, he has to go on the wall of fame, but, um, you know, if I have to go a little bit less from that, because that's the obvious one, um, I want to give, uh, the, the wall of fame to the development of the draft picks this season, um, which I think helped uh, a lot into, you know, the run that they made deep into the postseason. And uh, you're talking about guys like Dawson Knox. His third season in the NFL came on strong after having two really iffy seasons. Um, he came on as a top five tight end, in my opinion, in the NFL. Um, just a guy that was always reliable. Not only reliable, not only got over his issues of catching and, and you know becoming clutch when it mattered, but like then just became just just became uh, a phenom. When it came to making the important catches, finding his way open, he was a legitimate target for Josh Allen this season. And the best tight end that we've had, in my opinion, since I have been watching the Bills. Um, and then you're also talking about guys like Gabriel Davis in his second year. I mean, Gabriel Davis is, is I mean, third year is usually the breakout season for wide receivers. Um, he would have done it this year in his second season if we didn't have Emmanuel Sanders. Um, so Gabe Davis, another, I mean, we thought he was a great pick as a rookie in his second season, obviously with four touchdowns in the Kansas city game, um, guys, a stud. And then Ed Oliver, this was the first season that we finally started to see some breakthrough performances. Now, people that watch all 22 tape and, and, you know, the Joe Biscalis of the world and the cover ones of the world or whatever, they'll be like, oh, he makes an impact on, you know, every game. And it's like, well, it's hard to see it from our standpoint, just watching the game live. But this season finally felt like the season where, you know, you would see Kyle Williams play. Remember Kyle Williams would have like one or two splash plays every game where he'd like shoot the gap and take down the running back in the backfield or, you know, get a sack after the quarterback tried to scramble out of it. I mean, Ed Oliver is at that level. It's at Kyle Williams level. And sure, would I like him to be at Aaron Donald level? Sure. You know, I don't think any of us would. But if his floor is Kyle Williams, I mean, I'll take that any day of the week. Um, so I've been really happy with the development of these draft picks. We just have to hope that guys like these are the draft picks of Brandon Bean and not Joe Shane. <laughs> and, and we got to hope that the guys like the Cody Fords or whatever are the, uh, are the draft picks of Joe Shane and not Brandon. Oh, Bean. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I'll throw it over to you, Mark. Do you have any wall of fames, wall of shames, uh, sweet sassy molasses or Gettysburgs? Yeah, I, I think uh, for me, in terms of the wall, wall of fame, I, I agree with you, the, the development of draft picks and, and seeing even this year's draft picks, Spencer Brown, like really just energized that the offensive line. The fact that he moved Williams to, to, to right guard and every time you saw him, yeah, he, he, he obviously had his, his moments and whatnot. 
where, where he let down in coverage and whatnot, uh, allowed uh, some some rushers to get through. But particularly that 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 nastiness that we maybe we associate with Feliciano in the past, where he would just find the running back and just put his shoulder into him and give him that extra yard or two. You, you always saw him on the field. Always saw him. He just was doing that extra thing, something that you just don't you just don't see everybody doing that. And I, I love that. Uh, but you gave it to the offense. So let me, I, I, let me give a little props to the defense. Jordan Poyer. I mean, he's underrated throughout the league. This year, he finally got his, his, his award. He really got – I mean, he, everybody knows about him, but he's finally nationally known. He's all pro. He's phenomenal. And when Tredavious White went down on Thanksgiving, you know, we were doing so well. And I really, like, in my gut, I'm like, Wow, what's what's going to happen? What's what's gonna? Uh, this is it. And I wasn't so certain about the rest of, of the of the defensive backs, but the the play of Poyer and Hyde just allowed the defense to continue playing that the way they needed to play and could cover up for bringing in Dane Jackson and for for Levi Wallace and for maybe their somewhat their limited athleticism and allowed the defense to stay maybe not as elite as they were prior to Trey Day, because that's impossible, because Trey Day is phenomenal. He's, I think he's certainly a top five cornerback in the league. But he allowed the two of them in particular, but just the way that they play in tandem allowed the defense, the, the back, just to just maintain a level of confidence and superiority and allow the, the, the team to stay in games and to, and frankly, win games. And it's just he had a fantastic year, and he certainly deserves all the honors that he got. Yeah, I, lo- I love that you chose Jordan Poyer, not only for all those things you said, finally getting the recognition he deserved. By the way, it's hilarious that he didn't make the Pro Bowl, but he got the All-Pro nod. And then, and then you know, off the field stuff, because he was, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people know, but uh, he just came out this past year saying that he was a recovering alcoholic. And, um, you know, I heard him on Eric Wood's podcast. What's next? We had Eric Wood on last week. And I mentioned to Eric, and I think this is for all, especially as like guys like yourself and myself, men, and it's uh, the ability to show vulnerability is not very common. And um, I think it's something in this society where like, you know, men have to be men, we have to be strong, we have to provide, we have to do whatever. Um, to say that sometimes you need help um, and mental health and health with, you know, help with other things. Like it's just not talked about a lot. And I, I like that he was able to put himself out, out there like that and discuss it and be free to discuss it with people. Like, you know, he mentioned that people, uh, you know, will message him and and email him and tell him what an inspiration they are to him, uh, or he is to them. And, and, you know, that's, that's one of those things where you just respect, I'm, I'm very happy for him, obviously an amazing, phenomenal player, but just, you know, a, a great story off the field too. So I'm, I'm glad you used Poyer in that one. All right. All right. I got a wall of shame for you. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> we had, we had the great things. Now let's talk about the crappy things. <laughs> um, obviously the bills didn't go to the super bowl. They didn't win the super bowl. There's, there's things that had to have gone wrong. There, there were things that would have gone wrong, even if they won the super bowl. I mean, the Rams weren't perfect. That's for sure. So, um, but in this instance, I'm going to give the wall of shame to the bills coaching in tight games. Um, this season, they were one in six, I believe, in games that came down to one score or less. Um, they just didn't have it this season. 
Um, I'm not, I'm not sure if that's directly correlated to Sean McDermott specifically, or is it Brian Dable, or is it Leslie Frazier? I mean, we talked about this when, when we actually did talk to you last time, even though we weren't able to post it. Uh, you know, we mentioned Brian Dable leaving, and, you know, it stinks. Obviously, Josh Allen loved Brian Dable. Um, but, you know, there were times that he just made some questionable decisions offensively uh, coaching and and the play calling that he was doing. Now, can you blame him for the two amazing playoff games? I mean, they were phenomenal. I mean, they scored 42 or 47 and 36 points against two really good teams. Um, One was a top defense. And, uh, but at at other times, you know, uh, the coaching staff, they just, they just coach scared or you had the chiefs game where the, uh, the idea to squib or the play to squib, uh, kick the ball to the chiefs instead of just kicking it out into the end zone, just didn't even, didn't even cross their minds or didn't get through to, to Tyler Bass. Uh, that falls directly on coaching as much as I don't, you know, want to blame one person or whatever. I mean, that, that comes down to it. Uh, and just stuff like that, like playing prevent defense when you have Patrick Mahomes on the other side. And like, I've seen screenshots after screenshot of that game where you saw nobody covering Travis Kelsey. I mean, there was, he was just wide open and they were treating that game as if a touchdown needed to win the game, whereas all they needed to do was kick that field goal. And it's just a lapse in judgment when it came down close to it really hurt the Bills. It not only cost them the first seed um, in the AFC, but it cost them you know, possibly a Super Bowl run. Um, so I'm going to give them that. To, I'm going to give coaching in tight games a wall of shame, but I'm also going to give an honorable mention to Cody Ford because uh, we were mentioning all the great draft picks and Cody Ford is just, he's just, uh, they made such a big deal. They, they, you know, moved up in the draft to get Cody Ford. They thought they were getting a right tackle. It's like, okay, well, we didn't get a right tackle, but maybe we got a good right guard. Nope. He wasn't a good right guard either. And then he loses his job to like, they tried to give it back to him so many times in his third year and he just couldn't hold on to it. So um, all I have to say is let's hope that's a Joe Shane pick. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mark? Do you have any other Wallace Shames or, or, or Gettysburg or Sweet Sassy Molasses or anything like that? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to give a wall of shame when it, with, with a relic. I mean, it's a successful season in my mind, it obviously didn't end the way we wanted it to, but offensively they, 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 they played phenomenal, particularly down the stretch after that second half in Tampa Bay and through the playoffs. The offense was on fire. Defense throughout the season was 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 great. Um, I, I guess the, the one individual that I would give it to, I'm going to give it to one individual, Matt Hawk. I mean, yeah, sure, he can hold a football. And we saw in the Super Bowl, yeah, it's kind of an important job, no question about that. But he, I mean, every time, you know, you used to hold your breath when Isaiah McKenzie would, would, would go back to, to receive the, a, a punt or, or a kickoff. But just giving the ball away to the other team, we, you never know where it's going to go. And I, I just, I hope that they upgrade at that position because it is, uh, he, in my mind, is just not a, <laughs> certainly he was less stellar than the rest of the players on the team. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Matt Hawk. It's funny because, uh, you know, I know I mentioned this on several post game uh, recaps, but, uh, you know, you used to hold your breath when Corey Bohorquez would go back there to punt. And you're just like, well, is this going to be a 20 yard shank or is it going to be a 70 yard bomb? You know, is he going to outkick his, 
This was worse. This was you didn't think it could get any worse. Oh, it got worse, Mark. It got much worse. Uh, yeah, you're right though. You every time you're just holding your breath, like please don't screw it up. Um, I remember what was it? Was it the Patriots game where uh, he punted it three separate times because one was called back on a penalty. I think it was two times, maybe it was two times or three times or whatever, three in a row where they were all shanks and only two of them counted because one was a penalty, but then he shanked it again. And and each one like, got progressively worse. Each one got, pro- exactly. They got progressively worse. That just doesn't happen. You don't see that. Um, so let's just hope uh, that that's not the case. We have some time. So I want to kind of get your thoughts on some of the pending bills, free agents, because now we're in the free agency period. Um, we're talking about that. You mentioned specifically, Isaiah McKenzie. And uh, I want to say that there's kind of an interesting thought within Bill's Mafia. As far as Isaiah McKenzie was uh, a free agent, this is now a free agent. Um, He signed on for a really cheap deal this past season, a one-year deal. Um, I feel like he is one of the more underutilized players of the Bill's offense. And for the longest time, for every year, Every year up until the last year, I was like, well, the coaching staff must not see something in Isaiah McKenzie or else they would put him on the field more often other than just running the jet sweep. Um, And then whenever they seemed to actually get him involved in the game, the Bills just clicked on offense. Um, Not only was he getting the ball, he was getting other guys open. Uh, he He was the real deal when actually involved in the game. Now, kick returns and punt returns. That's a whole other issue. That's a, that's a whole other, you know, bag of marbles. But um, I liked Isaiah McKenzie and he is a free agent. Now, when you look at uh, potentially the difference between Isaiah McKenzie and a Cole Beasley per se, because Cole Beasley has one year left on his contract. Okay. I'm going to give you a scenario, Mark. He is going to make $7.6 million this season. Now, if you don't know where the bills cap, currently stands um they're in the hole right now (laughs) they they don't have any money to spend on anyone they don't have any money to pay their draft picks at this point or whatever um so they're going to need to find a way to make some money to 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 make some room in the cap for uh for to sign some free agents or to re-sign some guys so cole beasley right now set to make 7.6 million dollars if he were straight out cut he would only be owed $1.5 million. So if you were to cut him, you could save $6 million. Now, Isaiah McKenzie, hold on, let me see if I can get up his market value real quick. He does not have a market value, but he did make $1.1 million this season. So you have to figure you're signing him for probably two to three years, maybe three to $4 million. Whatever ends up being, it'll be less than what Cole Beasley uh, is making the seven seven point six. There's no way they would give that to Isaiah McKenzie. Um, if you had to choose between the two, say Isaiah McKenzie at four million or keeping Cole Beasley for seven point six million, mind you, Cole Beasley is one year removed from almost having a thousand yard season where he played phenomenal phenomenally. Um, I believe he's either thirty four or he's turning thirty four this season, and he just came off a very poor season. Um, I believe he had six hundred yards or seven hundred yards in the same amount of games. Um, you're looking at these two. I'm curious what, who you would choose in this scenario and why. Yeah. I I think they're two very 
different players. I mean, they both have similar body types, and 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 I think a lot of people feel like they they're they're interchangeable, and I think that clearly, in my mind at least, they're, they're not. Uh, I I think uh, Cole Be- Cole Beasley really. I mean, he's, he just beat the zone. He just got great moves. He's just fantastic route running. And McKenzie's got great speed, and he's and he gets himself open on those crossers and what it like, particularly in that in that uh, perfect game against the Patriots at the end of the season. And he was phenomenal, and, and he helped them win that game. There's no question about that. Um, I I love Isaiah McKenzie. I love his his humor. I think he's I, I think he's well uh, liked on the uh, on on the. <laughs> he's either well well liked or he's hated <laughs> the Bills team. I mean, he, he seems to have a lot of fun with them, and I, I think he's a great character. Uh, that being said, is if you had to choose between the two, I, first of all, I don't think the Bills would. It's not going to be straight like that. I wouldn't sign Cole Beasley back. Just let him play out his contract. I think he's going to have to either take a a, a a reduction in his salary. Or he's going to have to get one of those uh, extra years tacked on so they can spread out the money. And they have, there's enough funny money around on the rest of the team uh, that theoretically they could bring back both of them. But I, I, I think that if it was me, if I'm if I'm being, I have his ear. Yeah, I'm going to take I'm going to take Cole Beasley. I, I think he moves the chains. He gets those those third down catches. He's been banged up a couple. He's getting older. But he's got a rib injuries this year and other things. He get knocked around enough. Uh, it's going to happen. And he's certainly he he's older, but he's not letting up. He's he's uh, still a, a stellar player, and I think he adds a bit more. You got when you have uh, digs, you know, it, it, on the outside, and you got you got your speed. I don't think obviously Emmanuel Sanders is is probably going to be retiring. He's probably not coming back, and you're going to need that fourth receiver. I, I think. Beasley really is great for the third downs. Maybe they play him a little less this year, keep him a little bit healthier, but they got to balance out that salary somehow, either by adding on a year or, or a salary reduction, straight salary cut, basically. Uh, and I think, uh, and then you got Gabriel Davis, hopefully will continue to develop. Um, so I, I, I would definitely take Beasley over McKenzie. I, obviously, I, sure, I'd love to have McKenzie back, but I, I think you by keeping McKenzie, because of what you said about the kick return, punt return, we need somebody else that we can put back there other than Poyer. As much as I love Poyer, you know, he's fantastic. But I, I want somebody a little bit more dynamic uh, receiving the, the punts and the kickoffs. And if Isaiah McKenzie can't fill that role, I think that, that you're asking him to fill a roster spot that maybe we could use uh, another player that could maybe add more to the overall team. Well, a couple of things. Um, you bring up some really good points. I think, I think that the kick return, punt return duties could hopefully, you would hope, go to Marquez Stevenson next season, which we kind of forget about him. He was He's kind of an afterthought in the receiving game and special teams, really. Um, and he was a rookie this past season. Sean McDermott, for, for what people want to criticize with him, he does a really good job. Sometimes he holds rookies back too much by not letting them on the field more when they should be. But he does a good job of shielding them from like taking on too much. Because you know, I mean, your job or my job, like if you put like the new guy, the new grad out of college in a role in a senior level position right out of the gate, like you're almost asking for failure or you're, you know, because there's no way that they can handle that with just getting into, you know, their, their position, even no matter how much schooling, of course, you know, it's athletics sports, it's not direct correlation, but, um, he does a great job of, of, of shielding these guys, um, 
So I think Marquez Stevenson could take over that role. We sometimes forget about Isaiah Hodgins being on the team. This will be his third season as well. Um, looking forward to him being on the team. Um, Cole Beasley is going to have to take a pay cut. He just can't stay at that cap hit for his age and his production this past season. And I, I'm curious to, to what you think about this, Mark, because um, I think it shouldn't play into it, but I think it does a little bit. Is Cole Beasley's like anti-vax you know, discussion um, on social media. And this isn't going to be like obviously political yes or no thing, but uh, the coaching staff, it's, it's like his comments aside, um, you know, what, what happens out in social media is completely different than what happens in the locker room. Um, I think the guys either like Cole Beasley or they don't like Cole Beasley. Like, I don't think the vaccination thing changes people's minds, but what I will say is that McDermott and Bean have been very straightforward in the fact that they want their players to be vaccinated. I mean, that gives them every advantage to win. Whether you believe in the vaccine, vaccine or, or not is, is another topic altogether. But they've made a point to say that, you know, you're more available when you get the vaccine because then I don't have to worry about you going out on, on COVID IR. Um, so I I would say, and I don't think this is a Isaiah McKenzie for Cole Beasley sort of discussion, but... I could see them being on the cusp of like, are we going to keep him? Are we not going to keep him? Uh, will he take a pay cut? Well, he'll only take a $1 million pay cut. Well, we still really like him, but he's clearly not 100% on board with our message because he hasn't bought in on the vaccine thing. When we told players and we need older players like that to be a good example in the locker room, um, I could see that potentially pushing them to cutting him if he won't if he won't take the pay cut that they want. Now what are your thoughts on that as someone that's kind of been watching afar? Do you think that matters at all? Or do you think I'm onto something? I think that the pay cut matters much more than the, the vaccine. I think at this point in time, I, I mean theoretically if the season was going on right now, he'd been exposed, he was out, he'd be okay for for what is it, three months I think they're doing after they got exposed, uh, before they had to get back into the testing uh, protocols again. I mean, maybe it was two months. But I don't think that that – he's a good football player. And in the end, the good football player who's willing to play ball in regards to the team's finances, I think matters much more to them in the grand scheme of things. Now, it would be one thing is if his actions were completely detrimental to the team, that he was putting other teammates at risk and doing – exposing them unnecessarily, but, but there's no indication of that. Uh, I mean, yeah, he made a decision that many people don't agree with. Uh, and that was his decision and his actions on Twitter, they are what they are there. He's an athlete and that's his cho He chose uh, to, to put his voice out in, in that regard. And uh, he uh, became a hero to a lot of people and became a devil to a lot of other people. And, and he knows what he did and he, you know, and he knew the ramifications and uh, love him or hate him, agree with him or disagree with him. He's a fantastic football player. And so I would imagine that his skills on the field are going to be much more important uh, in the decision making that and obviously the discussions with his agent. So. I mentioned, you know, Isaiah McKenzie being one of the Bills free agents. The last thing I'm going to ask you about, excuse me, is um, of the following free agents, which one would you like to say? I mean, if we had room to get each one at their normal salary, um, whatever that may be, which one would you keep 
and why. So we have Mario Addison, defensive end Mario Addison, guard Ike Butker, uh, running back Matt Breida, defensive tackle Vernon Butler, defensive end Jerry Hughes, Taiwan Jones, running back special teamer, F.A. Obata, which I forgot was a free agent. Um, they just signed him on that one-year deal from the Panthers. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, which you mentioned, obviously. Saran Neal. Uh, Harrison Phillips. Harrison Phillips is a big one. Emmanuel Sanders, which you mentioned, be retired. Mitchell Trubisky, probably not going to happen. Um, you have Levi Wallace, the Bills' starting corner. And then Justin Zimmer. I mean, that, I gave you a lot of names right there. Um, with all things being equal, if you could have one of those guys back, um, you know, I'm going to say real quick that I don't think I would bring back the defensive ends, Mario Addison. And uh, I mean, unless Mario Addison was willing to take like a $3 million deal or something, which I don't think he would, I think you'll hang on with someone for like a one year, like $7 million deal or something. I could see that happening. Mario Addison, the same thing. I wouldn't bring him back uh, necessarily. Plus we spent the last couple of drafts on defensive ends in the first round and second round this past year, the second round the year before. Um, um, so I couldn't see that. I, I struggle between these players. Um, I like F.A. Obata's uh, ability, and I think they can get him for cheap. Um, but I'd love to see his development along with the, the younger defensive ends, um, especially as a guy that can kind of play inside and outside. Um, and then I really like Harrison Phillips at defensive tackle and Justin Zimmer at defensive tackle. And I think Harrison Phillips is 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 kind of in a tough situation because star opted out a couple of seasons ago. So he kicked that can down the road. So now we're paying for it. We're, normally we'd be re-signing Harrison Phillips potentially at Star Latulale's role, but Star Latulale has one more year left on his contract. So um, I like Harrison Phillips a lot. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and then you have Justin Zimmer. And I just think uh, from a value standpoint, I mean, Justin Zimmer or or F.A. Obata, those just sound like guys that you could get for two or three seasons for two or $3 million a year. And, and, uh, I think they could be, they, they've shown s- flashes um, for just being in the league for such a short period um, that I would, I would love to have either one of those guys back. And I think that I could see the bills possibly re-signing a couple of those guys. Cause I think Levi Wallace will be a little bit too expensive and I like Levi Wallace, but there's no saying that they can't get better uh, cornerback play from a draft pick in the first three or four rounds. You know what I mean? So when you hear those names, um, I just gave you a bunch of them right there. Uh, what do you see? Are there any names that stick out a pending bills free agents that you'd like to, you'd like to see back in 2022? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you kind of hope that that bean pulls some magic like he did last year where you get uh, Milano who, you know, signs back with, with a little bit of a hometown discount. If you want to call it that. And, and Williams still gets signed. I mean, it was amazing last year. You, you thought both of them were going to go. And next thing you know, they're both signed. And so I, I, I'm hoping that Bean's got some magic for us. Uh, but I agree with you. I, I think um, our, our, our pass rush was disappointing overall this year. It was it, – it lacked – you thought with Rousseau in the preseason and that first game and then that game against KC, wow, this is fantastic. He's going to be phenomenal. And I don't know how much, maybe if he hit the rookie wall so early or what happened, but I remember, I think, uh, <laughs> I think uh, Sean McDermott said, even in the post, uh, the post conference, I you know, pumped the brakes, pumped the brakes. And then he, he was basically, he pumped his own brakes. And I remember <laughs> he had a stack until like way later in the season. Uh, so I, I, I don't know how much of that um, is because 
or that are that we didn't get as much pressure. We didn't get as much. We did get decent pressure actually, but we didn't get as many sacks. We just didn't hit home all, all the way. And, and pressure is probably just as good as a sack, but eh, I don't know. Sex, sacks are definitely <laughs> sexier. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe if they had more playing time, if they instead of having this rotation, maybe they would develop a little bit more. But now, hopefully, next year, I'm hoping. I agree with you that you have, uh, you boogie Basham and you have uh, and Rousseau that they really step up. And I I love Jerry Hughes. I think he's a phenomenal player, and he had a good year. He still had a lot of pressure, but I don't know if by bringing him back, is that going to preclude us from, from signing somebody else? I, the other issue is up the middle. Yeah. I started to um, yeah, he, he, I think he just, he didn't live up to what I was hoping his return would mean. And Harrison Phillips definitely stepped up at the end of the season. And I'm encouraged by that. And as much as I'd love to have a huge, massive man in the middle of the defense, to help out Ed Oliver, to really free him up and free up Tremaine Edmonds and, and Milano, the linebackers, to keep them clean. Um, I think I, I'd like to see that in the first round of the draft personally, but I think I would focus on Harrison Phillips because he showed a strong propensity for being a solid, very solid uh, defensive tackle. I think he's going to be a good player in this league. And I, that's who I would focus on. F.A. Obata, I, I agree with you. He's he, There's something about him. I think you're, if you can get him cheap, maybe you can get both of them. Uh, but it would be hard to say goodbye to, to Jerry Hughes. So if I final answer, I'll go with Harrison Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. I would love to see Harrison Phillips come back. I think – um, you know, he mentioned on his podcast with Eric Wood that like he was really coming into his own at the beginning of his second season and then he tore his ACL and then the next season was kind of like, you know, him getting stronger again. And then, you know, now it's, you know, his fourth season, like he's coming on again and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, and he, and he had the knee issue early. I think he got injured in preseason at the last preseason game. He tweaked his knee. So then he had to like get back from that after six or seven weeks. And then he finally, you know, got his starting job back, um, towards the end of the season. Uh, I would love to have him back. I would love a space eater though in the middle though, right next to Ed Oliver. Like you said, to keep those. Um, I think that's a, that's a player if they do end up going that way instead of the smaller like Harrison Phillips like defensive tackle next to um at Oliver I could see them drafting a guy and I don't think you even need to go in the first round to get like one of those big guys I think you could do it in the second third or fourth round to be honest um those guys that really just like take on the double the uh double blocks and uh I think I think the there's a bill I mean they, we're gonna get into this next week um I'm going to talk with uh, Mike and John about um, other players, but um, I think that there's other, there's a lot more space that you can make on this current roster, either with uh, pay cuts, like we mentioned, especially with Cole Beasley and some other players are currently on the roster. They're kind of underperforming a contract. Um, And I think that, you know, it would behoove them to either take the lower pay cut or to, uh, or or for them to cut because there's just, the bills, especially with this season coming up, they're going to have to pay Tremaine Edmonds uh, more than they've ever paid him. They're paying Josh Allen more than they've ever paid him. Mind you, it's not forty million dollars a year, but it's you know almost double what he made last season, so it's not insignificant. Um, they're going to have to do some interesting, uh, interesting roster moves. So, um, yeah, that's going to be fun thing. It's going to be fun uh, 
discussions to have. So we're going to do a Fred Jackson jersey giveaway uh, starting next week. And this is uh, a jersey that we were uh, given to us by Buffalo Autographs at buffaloautographs.com. And it's kind of this really cool um, alternate uh, jersey selling platform where the guy just kind of had some connections and he's selling all of these autographed all this autographed memorabilia from the same players as a lot of these other like higher level platforms where he's just doing it out of his house and he's selling it for so much cheaper than uh, what you can get anywhere else. So um, if you are interested in checking that out, go to uh, buffaloautographs.com and put in the promo code CTWPOD15 to get 15% off all autographed memorabilia. I mean, they have Tyler Bass, Josh Allen, you know, Stefan Diggs, like all those guys over there, Jordan Poyer, we mentioned earlier. Um, you know, check that out, buy a jersey, a football, whatever they got there. There's some really cool stuff. I was just checking it out the other day to see if they had something I might want to buy. Um, obviously, the Fred Jackson stuff, like we mentioned earlier. I think next week what we're going to do is we'll do like a listener giveaway, whereas like, you know, normally we do it based on um, Apple Podcast reviews. I think we're going to do it just based on if you listen to that, you know, episode next week, um, and then we'll give away the winner next week. We'll figure out either you have to, you know, share the episode on social media and tag us in it or, you know, uh, DM us or email us uh, something within the show that we mentioned so we can tell you're listening and then we'll uh, make you listen the next week for the winner. So um, cool. Uh, looking forward to doing that. Thanks for those guys uh, over there for, for giving away a Fred Jackson jersey for our listeners. Um, Mark, uh, where can people find you on social media? Or do you even want them to find you on social media? You might want to stay anonymous and I, and I would not blame you whatsoever. Well, if you want to, if you want to see me on Twitter, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't tweet that much, but, uh, I'm at the, uh, original Hatriot, uh, on Twitter and, uh, feel free to, uh, send me a, uh, a like or whatnot and, uh, follow and, uh, I'll try to follow you back. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Now you call yourself the original Hatriot because you are in Hatriot land, right? You live in that general area. Yeah, I'm in I'm in Massachusetts. I've been here for about uh, 17, 18 years. I took a job at I was from, I'm from upstate New York originally, actual upstate New York near Schenectady, Niskayuna, mm-hmm. a small town near Albany. Uh, and I've been here for in Western Massachusetts for 18 years, and I've lived through the drought, surrounded by Patriots fans, and it is miserable. <laughs> but the last two years. I've been phenomenal. <laughs> when, when, contingent here. <laughs> when you talk to your colleagues after that Bills Patriots game, are they just like, well, whatever, whatever, we got six rings, whatever, you know, what do they say? Uh, to be honest with you, like my good friends, they, they, they realize that they, they, they wouldn't do that. They, they'll, they'll poke my buttons, they push my buttons a little bit, uh, whatnot, but they, recognize the fact that the bills put a walloping on them and they they know that there's a change they're all they think mac jones has got it and they've got it but the reality is is they they know that josh allen has their number and it's going to be a doozy for the next however you know next decade at least i would imagine yeah yeah absolutely so follow mark over at the original hatriot um We'll we'll have to figure out a way to like you know retweet or I'll have you tweet out some some betting advice during the season or something because um, I mean you're just you're just too good at it to like not not have you showcase that that kind of talent and help people make some money especially now that you know like we could do like you know 
what is it? Mark stone cold lead pipe locks, you know, of the, of the week, you know, something that stands out to you. Cause that would be cool. I was, I was fortunate. Like I, I mentioned, I talked to my, uh, my friend who's, who's a really good gambling expert and, uh, and I was able to make money on the game just based on his advice. Cause he didn't take the, the straight up spread. He's like, uh, he teased it. So I teased not only the over under of the game, but I also teased, uh, the, the game down to like, plus 10 and a half points for the Bengals. So, I mean, the Bengals are winning. I'm like, this is all gravy. Like if they win, like, just like you, like the, we win, man, this is good. Uh, but no, that was, that was cool to do. And he did, I did bet the kickoff and I did not get that right because they were like 18 of the last 20 kickoffs have been, you know, returned. And of course it didn't happen when, when I bet on it, but uh, you don't win them all. That's why you got to put in several different bets. So you're not just putting all your, you know, all your nest egg into one stock, right? Hoping that it hits. So well, let's hope you're not putting your nest egg in anything. In any- <laughs> it could be fun money, but you've got spare money. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I should probably use that as a, it's <laughs> like, you know, by the way, you know, just, just don't gamble what you can't lose. I remember my dad always said that I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to the casino this week. He's like, that's fine. Have fun. Don't gamble what you can't lose, what you can't afford to lose. And that's true. That's well, true. Well, when I can't pay the mortgage next month, I'll let the – Nate said I can bet it. Nate said to do it. Nate said, yeah, I, I actually said that. That was a disclaimer at the end of the podcast. Like if you don't think that you can afford it, you can. Trust me. <laughs> so funny story real quick. I One of the things is like I, I think I get my enjoyment or fun of, of gambling from my mom because uh, she – she likes to to go to the slots machine. Now, obviously, she's a little bit older. I actually had her on um, the Mother's Day podcast this past year because she's the reason I'm a Bills fan. But I would take my mom. I didn't know that she liked this until she was in her 60s, that she likes going to like the casino and doing slot machines. So I would take her to this one around here. Um, and, you know, we we bet like, you know, 60, 80 bucks maybe in a day, right? Like that's that's for like several hours of just, you know, pulling on a thing. Maybe you win, maybe you don't, whatever. Um, we went outside once, um, just to get some fresh air and there's this lady's like, man, these slots aren't, aren't doing too well today. Like, yeah, yeah. We're not winning either. She's like, I lost $1,300 just now. I'm like, Ooh. And like, but this isn't like, this isn't like a casino where like all they have is slots. It's one of those places. Like it's not a casino. And like, so, and there's not like a ton of dollar cause dollar slots or whatever. So it's like, Ooh, like that's, that's rough. So yeah, don't gamble what you cannot afford to lose for sure. But we'll have to have you on again to talk about that or whatever. But like, no, honestly, um, it's been a pleasure. I'm glad that we could do this. Um, you are, uh, you're already uh, at expert level. I feel like in podcasting, so just don't start your own. Okay. If you want to start and, 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 you know, be a part of ours, that's one thing, you know, that don't start your own, but no, seriously, uh, Mark, it's been a pleasure to do this for the second time. Technically. Um, it's been uh, a pleasure to talk to you. Um, have the guys meet you. If nothing else, uh, that was fun for you to, uh, fun for us to meet you all together. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, thanks for for giving some perspective on uh, not only the Super Bowl but the Bills Chiefs loss, and then you know things moving forward. It's been fun. Thanks so much, Nate. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been uh, a lot of fun, and uh, wish you guys uh, success uh, through the rest of the uh, off season. And I look forward to talking with you again. Now I know you're a listener, so let's see if you remember this way in which we end our show each week. So when I say signing off for Mark, go Bills. Cool. So signing off for me, Nate, go Bills. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll talk to you guys again next week.
Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs>